Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. We started with just the general restructure of our framework of reevaluating what data points matter to us. And then what we started looking at is the highest level. If we looked at the customer lifecycle, what are the six or seven points that we need to identify to understand our business and how we're progressing? This is Sales Ops Demystified the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales ops onto the show to deconstruct the what, why, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by EBSA, a revenue intelligence platform used to identify risk in the pipeline and score customer engagement and is sponsored by the Global Sales Operations Association and the UK Revenue Operations Network. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. Today, we're joined by Brandon Baldwin, who is the Senior Director of Revenue Operations at BirdEye. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. So let's kick this off, Brandon, and and understand a bit more about how you initially made your journey into the world of revenue operations. Yeah, definitely. So um, for me, it's I talk about this quite a bit because my, my path is I thought was unique, but the more I talk to other individuals, it's becoming more common. Um, but mine started with actually a, a study of psychology for an undergraduate degree where part of my focus was on industrial organizational psychology. So I love the idea of how can you bring people together to maximize outcomes? And it wasn't part of my career. I, I went the other path of psychology of, of therapy and then use that and get, got into the investment world. But I was always trying to understand more of that concept of how can you actually maximize people's abilities and skills to increase revenue or results or whatever you wanted. And I, I ended up going to get an MBA at a school in Utah, Westminster College. And it was during that time that I took a class called Managing Processes, which was supposed to be one of the hardest classes of this MBA of you know very few people actually passed the class. And I fell in love. So it was, you know, if you have five trucks and you're bringing cherries into your manufacturing organization, what time do you have to have every truck show up? And, and the math behind it, I love. So being in psychology where you use analytics, you use understand people, and then tying it into process of really understanding like the best outcomes uh, piqued my interest. And I was already working in analytics for sales and marketing and, and decided, you know what, I need to go deeper. I need to go more towards process. I need to go more towards maximizing uh, a company's ability to grow. And that's where through kind of mentors that I had, I was able to shift from just analytics to a full operations focus. 
Um, and with the background being in sales and marketing, it helped out to kind of start there and work my way up into the full scope of learning just one organization of CX versus having to learn everything. Awesome. And this transition, this happened at a company called Degreed. Correct. Awesome. So you you came, I think, from a sales role into analytics at Degreed. And then from there, you got some guidance. And then ultimately, over a period of five years, uh, blossomed, let's say, into a revenue operations director. Yeah. And, and with Degreed, it was a small company. Uh, I was employee less than 80, I believe. Um, so I actually brought in to help build out the outbound SDR function with a quota, but then also do analytics. So it was four or five different hats, but main was analytics and kind of did everything else. Um, and then it was over time, I was, I was running the full revenue operations kind of idea once it started coming out, but we didn't make the transition intentionally until two years after we had started doing that until it made sense for the organization. So used all that knowledge we were already functioning, but didn't make it official. Um, for two years into the work we were doing. And so the the decision within Degreed to form a revenue operations department versus segregated sales CS marketing ops department, were, were you involved in that or like how did that come about? Yeah, so the first conversation started, so I was doing sales and marketing operations and we went through our second acquisition. And with that acquisition, an individual was coming in that was doing a similar role, uh, but really liked marketing wasn't uh, too fond of sales and I prefer sales and you know wasn't too fond of marketing. But what we were identifying is with this acquisition, the executive sponsors were not aligned and had different strategies. So we were looking at it from an organizational standpoint and, and I, I originally had to take my case. It wasn't, they came to me and said, hey, what are your thoughts? But I, I took my case of, hey, here's all the concerns I see with this acquisition. Here's what we have to identify and created this plan, which was the first foundation of revenue operations for us. Of We have to get these executives and these teams on the same strategy, on the same process, on the same alignment. Otherwise, this acquisition will fail. And it was through that kind of initial phase of a couple of months of back and forth and, and alignment that we started that foundation of I started running revenue operations with a focus on sales operations and then marketing operations reported into me and we did not have a CX. So through that, we, we actually brought or developed somebody into a CX operations just so we could help primarily with the acquisition and then with continual growth after that. What was the, um, either the project or the initiative from Degreed within the RevOps function that you're most proud of or, or you look back on most fondly? Um, I'd probably say there's two that stick out the most. Um, I was talking to somebody that, that took over recently at Degreed. And when, when I first stepped in, and this was even before revenue operations, but it was the impact of data in the organization is we want to be a data-driven company, but even getting board slides or QBR results for the company, it was a two-week process to pull all the data, start cleaning it up to the point where when I finished, it was less than you know three hours and we could have all this run and, and kicked over and, and we could start making real-time decisions. What what stemmed from this, though, so that was kind of the first aspect, but what stemmed from it is we rethought the way we were looking at everything. So we needed to have alignment across the organization to make decisions very quickly. So one thing we did is we created uh, an uh, official account scoring, use internal and external data to identify which accounts we should be focusing on. And what this did is as we built out this you know simple but robust scoring system, every department had the same visibility into which companies were more likely to buy from us. So marketing and their ABM strategy could make decisions very quickly without having to go back and forth between teams to verify. So 
for me, it was the time reduction that we created of getting to the right people at the right time and also having the right metrics to make better decisions. So all that encompassed into one. Yeah, since that sounded really interesting. Just the one thing I really was interested to pick up on, um, as you said, you know, you've been a data-driven company, but it was taking you a couple of weeks to pull together all those kind of KPIs and, and present them. And just, uh, I imagine that'll be an issue for, for lots of people. Obviously, death by numbers is, is, is quite a common thing. Is there any kind of key um, key things that you did to help reduce that, that, that time to get all those numbers together? Yeah, so uh, for me, in my last company, this one actually relates to, but my last company, um, it agreed, it was a matter of, we had to restructure how we were collecting all of our data. Um, that was the biggest problem for us and what took so long is, it was when I took over the Salesforce ecosystem, it was a matter of let's try anything and everything and nothing was being adopted. So really what you had is, you know, the typical Salesforce of hundreds of fields, none of them being pre-filled. And so when you went to go find something, it wasn't anywhere you could just pull a report. And it was a lot of survey interview and, you know, deductive reasoning and assumptions and all this stuff that was not healthy. So we started with just the general restructure of our framework of reevaluating what data points matter to us. And then what we started looking at is, the highest level, if we looked at the customer lifecycle, what are the six or seven points that we need to identify to understand our business and how we're progressing? And that was that was phase one. Like if we cannot answer those questions, we need to start there. And then you go the next layer down. Okay, if something were wrong in one of these, what's the next layer we look at? And you start making sure you have the structure and cleanliness for those um, to get all the way to the bottom. And then what also helped in that is we changed the, the conversation of, Everyone wanted to go very deep, very quickly in all the information, and they were missing the bigger picture. And it, it's hard for a lot of people to find that balance between you know, very tactical decision-making and the larger picture. So when we, we stepped back and said, okay, let's first look at the entire funnel for you that you can understand it and then dive in, we actually changed to be more effective that we weren't looking deep in the wrong sections, but really what was proper. And even with where I'm at now, it was it's the opposite. So Degreed really didn't have that foundation for data, uh, like being data-driven, but they wanted to. So that, that was what we worked on for years. Coming into BirdEye, they're a very data-driven organization, tons of spreadsheets everywhere, tons of deep dives on a weekly basis. But now it's taking the, the step back of, are we actually looking at the right thing? And does it make sense? So we're reversing it saying, okay, great, you guys have been looking deep in the weeds. But if I were to ask you high level, does that really you know exist? Do we all abide by it and then work our way back down? Because we we're having death by PowerPoint, death by slides every day, uh, just on presentations of analytics that people are running and not producing. Thanks. That was that was really helpful. So yeah, I think a lot of really cool cool tips there, and, and yeah, really appreciate that insight. Yeah. To elaborate on the the bird eye. Uh, presence or the, the bird eye revenue operations. Could you just share uh, briefly um, the the amount of resources that you guys are responsible for through the CS reps, the sales reps, if you can share, and then also the structure of the revenue operations team? Yeah. Um, so this one's been interesting. When I was uh, recruited over to Bird Eye, they were looking just for sales operations individual at the time. And sales operations, there was an individual in seat, but all the responsibilities of what you typically see in revenue operations was scattered. Uh, engineering on some, finance on some, sales on some, marketing, and it was just everywhere, which means nothing was aligned and everyone was making different decisions. So for me, it was to come in and, and when we, we I, I didn't intentionally pitch revenue operations, but I, I, I presented what is necessary to be successful in any form of operations and they decided to move to full revenue operations. 
Uh, one thing that I've advised some people on for us is I actually here am not currently owning CS operations um, because as a revenue operations leader, it's very easy to come into either you know creating a team for the first time or coming to an organization where there's so many problems that you become you know the jack of all trades, master of none, where you, you can focus on a bunch of little problems, but you're not making progress. So what we actually decided is we hired a new CCO who had an individual that he likes working with. We brought them in. He and I partner right now, but I do not own it because there's enough going on over there. I'm going to focus on sales and marketing for the first year, and then we will realign and kind of make sure we're all back in the same house. Um, but from that aspect is, I mean, it's it's fundamentally for, for revenue operations at BirdEye, it's that conversation of, are we actually set up as a company that if the first time someone interacts with us to them becoming a customer or renewing, like, do we have the fundamental processes in place to be successful? And that's where I've spent the first 90 days is reevaluating all that because it's been owned by different groups. It's not, it's very disjointed. It's all over the place. There's some of those key things that an operations person would be like, Nope, this needs to be square one that we're now doing, you know, step 5,000 years down the road that we have to correct for. How instrumental do you think that your guidance was for BirdEye to take the RevOps approach? Um, I, I think it was quite a quite a bit. Only from the standpoint of when our CEO heard about it, he's he's an engineer, so he's one of our our Google guys, engineer background, product officer in a prior company very focused in that sense. And when we kind of talked about the alignment and the impact it makes, and even from a um, internal you know, request process of how we make improvements, when you have that alignment, you can actually execute quicker. Um, you have a more centralized accountability, which from his engineering background didn't exist. So when he was thinking of a marketing ops, a sales ops, a CS ops, and like all those different roles, it was never aligned for a full accountability. So when we walked into that model, you could see for him, it was that turning point of even if you know an advisor was telling him, hey, only go sales ops, for him it was, this is what we're missing is we need one accountable individual that can make sure we're, we're pushing the right projects, you know, working in a timely manner that can be looking at the data deeper than anyone else and not have to go to three people saying, hey, how are we doing? But it's one person that can really understand the entire environment and come back to him with that information. So I, I think, you know, I, I still a lot of my information from serious decisions. Um, their framework. So even showing some basic, you know, modeling from them was pretty fundamental in him and making that decision to switch to revenue operations. Awesome. Now, as we said, you're you're relatively early into the bird I rock. What are the things that you're going to be tackling first? Yeah. Um, so a few things coming in, and it's always fun being an external individual looking at somebody else's uh, ecosystem with the idea of how quickly can I understand how we operate? Um, because it's a, it's a sign for new sales reps coming in. It's a sign for anyone coming in on how well do we operate as an organization. So when I came in, there was very little information on how we do things from a process perspective. And it was very, very obvious that a lot of what we have done has been built from the uh, system side first and then brought back to process and brought back to strategy. So kind of reverse. So the first little bit, what we're doing is remapping out our entire flow from um, you know, inquiry of an individual all the way to renewal on what does that internal flow look like, and then tie that into a, a repeatable analytical process that we can get real-time automated uh, information to help us make better results. At the same time, we're reviewing our 
tech stack, trying to improve our partnerships with them to drive the fundamental you know, activity to fill pipeline, to work on results. So all of that encompassing, it, I mean, it's easy to say and sounds little, but it's a massive project to really map all that out and then find everything broken and start realigning the organization and, and finding all those points where we went system first and pull that back and go strategy and process first to make sure we can scale. Because really why I'm here is to make sure that we can scale and potentially IPO one day. And so it's a matter of me having to come in and sadly calling a lot of people's baby ugly and saying, sorry, we have to do this again because it's not ready for us to scale. And that's where mapping all that out is my first uh, Q1 priority and then moving into execution in Q2. The, uh, the, the ugly baby analogy is, if it's a strong, is very strong. It, it, it does resonate with me from previous roles where I've had to do that. It's quite hard work um, on the soft skill side, of course. Now, I see I see books in the background, and I see I see Eaters Eat Last, and I see the four. Um, on that note, which of those books, or actually any other book that you have read, has helped you the most in respect to RevOps? Whew, uh, that's a tough one because there's different topics. Um, one, so extreme ownership, whichever direction I'm pointing here. Um, that one from a leadership standpoint and an accountability standpoint. So understanding realistically how our leaders need to operate and to be functioning was fundamental in my early careers. Um, one of the ones that I enjoyed probably early on that's still stuck with me that I keep here is Data Driven by Jenny Dearborn. Um, it's, it's for anyone that's not fully understood the power of sales analytics in an organization. It's just a story-based um, approach to a real-life example that I've shared with a lot of people to help them understand the power of analytics. So that one's helped me from a alignment standpoint, um, but I, 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 I've, I've set goals to, and I don't read much anymore. I listen to them all now while I'm working out or driving, whatever it is. And I, I try to get through, you know, at least one book a month. And every single one of them, I'm finding something related to revenue operations in one way or another. Uh, the most recent one that I think every revenue operations person should read is "Why Simple Wins." Um, I mean, the, the the concept of simplicity is absolutely important, and revenue operations is a a prime organization to be able to make sure that's happening in a company. Amazing. We will put links to those three: so ex- extreme ownership, why simple wins, and data driven. We'll put links below the uh, podcast episode or video wherever you are watching in the audience. Brandon, amazing. Final question now: Who in the world of revenue operations would you most like to take for lunch? So I have two different directions I'll answer this in my typical fashion. Um, one, I have to say, because I feel like it's required, there's three people that are very vocal about revenue operations that I follow a lot. And that would be Jeff Ignacio, Hillary Headley, and uh, Rosalind Santelena. But realistically, what I'm finding out is I would take and I would want to go with anyone in revenue operations. The more I'm even if it's somebody that's been enrolled for one month, someone's been enrolled for years, there's so much that can be learned by people trying new things. Um, because we look at these, you know, the three that I mentioned are, are seen very highly of, they're our North Star. But the more I'm talking to people that are in unique situations, they're very creative in what they're, they're trying to accomplish. And they have different roadblocks than most of us had, have dealt with. So anyone, realistically, anyone in RevOps, I'd love to sit down and have lunch with and just hear stories and share stories because I feel like that's going to be the most powerful use of anyone's time is to just share those unique one-off things that we probably haven't encountered that most of us will probably never encounter. So if we have any revenue operations legends listening, ping Brandon 
on LinkedIn, and then maybe you can set up a Zoom chat to talk RevOps. Um, Brandon, I, I think the um, the thing that hit, struck me most from this interview is your, it, maybe it's not the passion, but your drive towards um, having one unified view of what's going on in the revenue function. And I think it's quite telling that uh, when you joined BirdEye, that's essentially what happened, uh, kind of based on your recommendations. So I think that's the thing that I'll take away and I hope the audience uh, will take that away as well. So Brandon, with that, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales of Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.